Hi, and welcome to the Unveiled Podcast, where we discuss all things related to women to help us think Christianly in every area of life. My name's Sandy, and I'm here with Susie. We both have a passion to bring gospel reform to womanhood, to families, and to all of life. I have a background in education and music, and Susie's training is in biblical counseling, theology, and ministry to women. We're friends, and we have served together at our local church for over 20 years. And today, Susie, we are wrapping up Proverbs 31, and I actually can't believe it. Um, I remember looking at this chapter, and we're going verse by verse, and I just remember thinking, how are we going to do this? But it's just been... um, it's been a real gift, and I'm, I'm looking forward to digging in today to verse 31. And verse 31 says, Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. And I like the NIV. It says, Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. We've been created to work, and work is a very good thing. We need to reject the popular ideology that work is bad and recreation is good. Uh, when done right, work is good. And in fact, this woman's work ended in faithfulness and praise. So how can we be women whose work results in fruit and praise when so often we feel overwhelmed and even guilty for not doing all the things? Yeah, good question. Because as women, we we do love to do all the things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's out of just having many interests and passions. Sometimes it's out of loving people and just wanting to be involved in everything. And sometimes it just comes from guilt, feeling like we've never done enough or we always need to do more. Uh, sadly, I think a lot of women uh, carry a lot of guilt. And it starts from a young age. I, I uh, was recently chatting with some young adult women, and several of them explained how. They just feel this guilt or this stress and overwhelm, uh, overwhelming feeling that they, they need to do more and they, they can't keep up with life. And I thought, wow, okay, so we could uh, attribute that all to being busy and having a lot to do, but I think it's more than that. And so I think it's good for us to talk about these things because work is good, but we don't want to be people who are always feeling overwhelmed or guilty or as if we're not doing enough. And it's more than just time management. Uh, Some of it's time management, but it's more than that. Uh, I think we need to get to the root of what work is and what it's for. And so I thought of um, God. And so many times when we talk about God, we talk about his work. Mm. And it's his work that strikes up awe in us, right? And we want to brag on God for the work he's done. And it confirms who we are when we see God working in our lives. And so I just uh, was thinking, wow, okay. So it is very evident that God's work displays his glory. And there is probably lots of passages of scripture that we could go to, but I just quickly looked at a few. And one of them, Deuteronomy 3.24 says, Oh, Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works in in mighty acts of yours? And then uh, a few Psalms uh, say very amazing things as well. One of them says, But for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord my refuge that I may tell of all your works. 
Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples, and let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. And so God's work displays his glory. And God is known for his work. Psalm 73, 28. Um, oh, I just read that one, actually. But it's another good one that fits hmm. with God is known for his work. It mm-hmm. says, but for me, it is good to be near God. I've made the, made the Lord my refuge that I may tell of all your works. And so as we talk about him, we're often talking about what he has done that helps us to know him. And uh, another psalm says, For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. And then uh, Joshua says, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And so God is known for his work. Or in other words, God reveals himself through his work, right? And if God's work is so incredible, it is full of glory and it reveals himself, then we, his image bearers, those who have been created in the Amago Deo, we are also created to be workers. Um, And if we are created to be workers, to put his glory on display and to make him known, to reveal him through our work, then we should find great, great joy in our work. And we should view work as a privilege. And so I was just thinking um, very specifically then, so our work should put God's glory on display and our work should make not God known. And if that's how we consider all the work that we do, I think that will give us so much more purpose and it will redeem all work, right? Because we often put work into categories, right? Uh, This is the work that I really like to do and this is the work that I have to do or I go to work five days a week so that I get to come home and do the things that I want to do or whatever it might be, right? And so we, we want to change our perspective and just consider all work to be redemptive. Certainly, uh, if we have a sinful attitude towards our work, we don't make God known and we don't display his glory. In fact, we distort who God is and we distort his glory. Uh, But we're not meant to do that. And so I thought it'd be valuable to break down a woman's work and to talk about some of the things that either distort um, God's glory, that distort who he is, and then on the opposite perspective, how we can display who he is and display his glory in the various aspects. And I think there's probably three main areas where we work. And one of the areas is in our homes. One is in uh, the church and one of them is in our careers, right? And so I thought we'd talk about the home first. And of course, we could probably go on and on about this for five episodes. Mm-hmm. So I'll keep it short. But probably some of the main things that we as women do is if we are always stressed, if we are always complaining about our home or the work that we have to do, if we're super disorganized, if we're angry, or maybe the opposite, we are actually people who idolize cleanliness or idolize the perfect model home. You see, it it often ends up being one extreme or the other. It's either stressful, angry, disorganized, 
or it's like so perfect and beautiful that it doesn't even look lived in. And so I think our home actually exposes our heart. And so we want to recognize that our work or our home is a place where we work. And if we were going to make our home ready for work, um, and that work includes nurturing, it includes loving, includes ministry and hospitality, then it's, it's super necessary to keep our homes in order. But sadly, many women feel so much pressure to keep it spotless and to make it look like a showroom at any moment. Uh, it actually becomes idolatrous. And um, this idolatry can come from what we watch on social media. Sometimes it comes from pressure from our families, whether it be a husband or mother or maybe mother-in-law, or maybe it's that friend that just seems to know how to do that with ease. Uh, One way or another, we feel that pressure. And often it's probably a pressure from within. We're trying to meet certain expectations that might be unrealistic. And so we have to ask ourselves, like, who am I listening to? Uh, Who am I trying to glorify? Am I trying to glorify God, or am I actually trying to glorify myself or other people in the way that I keep my home, in the way that I work in my home? And so then the opposite then is um, in order to display who God is and to bring glory to him in our home, we want to have a home that is filled with love, a home that is hospitable, and a home that lives for his glory. And just yesterday, I read a quote, and it's a long quote, so bear with me here. But I thought it was fantastic and very, very relevant. And I'm just going to say it is a quote by Mary Lentz. I do not know anything about Mary Lentz. I cannot confirm that any of her other thoughts or teachings are whether they're correct or not. But this particular quote was right on, and it gave a really beautiful um just description of our work in the home. And so I'll start here. So the beginning of the quote says this, our houses were never intended to be perfectly curated with seamless aesthetics and luge finishes at every turn. Our house isn't a museum. It's a tool, a tool for ministry. Our houses are working houses, not museum exhibits. They nurse the sick, welcome strangers and feed families. For the Christian home, the home is an extension of the church. A house with happy children will have a few toys on the floor. A kitchen that provides home-cooked meals will have dishes in the sink and food on the counters. Homes that are lived in will look, well, lived in. We should aim to have beautiful homes, but the world defines a beautiful home based on aesthetics and cosmetics. That is like a whitewashed tomb. As a Christian, beautiful home has everything to do with the love and service within. Don't let discontentment stop you from opening your home for hospitality. You have a lot more you will have a lot more peace in this life when you understand that your home is meant to work and doesn't have to be insta-worthy to be hospitable. Your house is for serving the Lord and serving others. So put your house to work. Don't wait for special occasions to use your nice things. Don't fret about the laundry pile if someone shows up unattended or unannounced. Dirty the counters with a home-cooked meal. Let your children play with their toys. Enjoy your houses, ladies. No amount of shiplap, boho decor, or black fixtures will ever compare to the beauty of using your house to serve the Lord. 
I encourage you not to let the perfection you see on social media affect your contentment, nor make you self-conscious. A working house is the fruit of your hands. Keep a tidy house, yes, but use your home for fellowship and ministry. Mortify personal vanity that keeps you from from glorifying God in your home. End quote. Mm. So excellent, Mm. excellent reminders, right? And uh, maybe we need to send that to the mothers or mother-in-laws or husbands or, you know, whoever is... No, just kidding. (laughs) No, that might be a little bit of attitude there, right? So we don't want to do that, but we want to take this to heart and Mm -hmm. live that out. Mm -hmm. And then I just also wanted to personally add as well that your home is also a a place of rest. Mm -hmm. And so give yourself that time. Schedule in, preserve times for rest for yourself, for your husband, for you as a couple, your family. If you live alone, it's still okay to have a a time of rest in your home. Uh, So that's that's about home. And then I had a few things to say about our careers as well. And um, we can distort who God is in our career. And we do that by lacking integrity, by whining, by complaining. And then once again, just living for the weekend, right? Mm. Let's be people who work with excellence in our career. Uh, Even when nobody is watching, people should see a difference in us. They should be able to tell that that there's a peace about you, but there's a joy about you, that there's something different. There's something trustworthy about you, even before they necessarily know that you are a Christian. And, and then how do you actually display who God is and display his glory in your career? Well, once again, then you will work with integrity. You will work with thankfulness and joyfulness in your heart. You will work with excellence even when no one is watching. You're going to avoid the gossip and the drama. And especially as women, uh, we have to be careful of that, especially female-dominated careers. Like, I guess I'm a woman. I'm allowed to say this, but... Uh, there, if there's an office full of women or maybe a school full mm-hmm. of female teachers and administrators or um, medical facilities like nursing homes yeah. or even hospitals that are largely predominated with females, there can be so much drama. Mm-hmm. So don't be that woman that gets in the middle of the drama. And uh, let people know that know what you do on the weekend. So if they're saying, hey, what do you have planned this weekend? Don't like sneakily slip by the fact that you're going to be going to church on Sunday. Or if there is a conference, don't be too shy to tell them that you are going to a women's conference. Tell them what you do. And then, of course, always be ready to share the gospel and pray with coworkers as you're able to. Uh, not to the point where you're actually hindering your work, right? Your boss has hired you to work for him or her. Uh, so you don't ever want to... Uh, you know, use company time per se to just have an hour conversation about your faith, but you can certainly slip in um, as you're able to as with words of encouragement, words of truth, and, you know, on your breaks and before and after work. Um, be a person of integrity. So use your time well. Don't cheat your company with work hours, but certainly be ready to share the gospel and to, to pray with coworkers. Be someone that they know that if they're going through a crisis, they can come to you. Um, And then, of course, there's the church. And it might sound strange that we're talking about distorting who God is in the church, but 
this can happen so often. And sadly, even with the best of intentions, we can do that by being too busy, being involved in every single ministry that's available. Um, those are, might be some of the more subtle ways that we we do that. Or it can be going to church that teaches false doctrine. It can be serving for self-praise rather than the praise of God. It can be slowly allowing um, the world system of, of truth to enter in to the point that you don't even recognize that you're actually listening to the world's truth more than your own truth. And I was thinking recently how the woke agenda has absolutely infiltrated the Christian church to the point that I think very many well-meaning Christians who love God don't even recognize it, right? And in that, I think we have to be very careful about um, when people start talking about the victim mentality, mm. when people start taking sides and having more compassion on on the victim or on the sinner rather than on the, the victim and um, never actually being willing to say this is right and this is wrong, always wanting to take the middle ground because you don't want to offend anybody. Those are just little ways of um, allowing the world to speak into our our views and our beliefs in our life, in our church, more than they should. Uh, letting the world define what love is or what gender is, what marriage is, and you know, how we should view work, right? Mm. The world would say, hey, just get your work done so you can go on a vacation. And there's so many ways that we have allowed that to happen. Uh, A friend of mine actually just mentioned to me this morning a quote that she had been impacted by. And she sent me a, a little snippet of it. And she was talking specifically about Ephesians 4.14. And it was talking about being... um a church that does things in love Mm -hmm. and how it was described is um, it it describes it as truth is never to be sacrificed to so-called charity yet it is to be maintained in charity truth in word in act love in manner and spirit are the christian's rule and so we just got to talking about how many times well-meaning christians who are women who, especially women, right? We're, we're filled with compassion and love. And so we always side on the air or air on the side of grace and always choose maybe the world's description of love rather than actually being women who are willing to speak truth. And I see that in so many ways. I see that when we think about, uh, an unwed mother who is pregnant and so many Christians actually have more compassion on the unwed mother than they do on the baby that's growing inside of her. Right. Or when it comes to the, the gender thing, don't, don't say anything too, you know, boldly about male and female because you don't want to offend the people or the family members of those who are struggling in this area. And that kind of uh, ideology is just, rampant in our churches and we put up with it or we even accept it embrace it in the name of love mm-hmm. and yet we're compromising truth and so um mm. we have to be so careful that we're allowing god's word to uh, educate us and inform our views rather than just what we hear on media so then how do we display who god is in the church or how do we display his glory and uh 
this is hopefully what we're a little more familiar with or what we're trying to pattern our lives after. Um, and so most of our listeners are probably familiar with it, but I'll just run over, uh, over a few basics here again anyways. And one of them is using your gifts to build up the body and, and then living with love and unity. But once again, that unity is in Christ and his word and his truth. We don't compromise uh, truth so that we can be unified. Uh, practicing repentance and forgiveness. And if you want to know more about that, we just did a podcast Mm -hmm. series on repentance uh, back in the summertime. So feel free to go check that out. And then teaching the full counsel of God's word, right? There's nothing in God's word that we avoid. Uh, Practicing church discipline. And church discipline, of course, that's not just to rebuke people or shame them or cast them out. The desire of church discipline is always restoration. And, And then having proper roles in the church, right? Understanding the role of women and the role of men, and both are valuable, but they're different. And of course, worship, worship that is vertical, all about Christ, um, practicing communion and breaking bread. Um, and essentially, Acts 2.42 really sums it up well, and that's the first church Um And it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Or when I say the first church, it was just the beginning of of Christianity, the followers of Christ. And so Acts 2.42, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Mm. Uh, So if we do that, we will honor and glorify God um, in the way that we, we serve him in the church. Uh, so I just realized I actually have a lot more to say here. I've got little um, points here. But you know what? I'm not going to go over all of this, um, but we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah. So, yeah, yep. go ahead with okay. your next question. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Maybe we need to do another podcast on this, but um, I'm sure we will. Yeah. No, some really great points there, Susie, and I love how you always bring it back to honoring the Lord, glorifying the, glorifying God in every, um, just in, in every area, right? At home, at work, in the church. And, um, my husband once said about, I like, I like that quote that you read, just that the house should be, it should be lived in. It's not going to be perfect. Um, and my husband said one time he heard somebody say that when a husband comes home, it should feel like a He's, he's got a warm sweater on hmm. and I just love that. And, you know, sometimes he'll come home and he'll, he'll just say, Oh, my warm sweater. <laughs> and, and it's a good thing. It's, um, yeah. So thank you. And I, and I, and I do think that we, as far as the truth in love, I think as women or anybody, really, we have a bent either one way or the other, either we're truthful to the point of, excluding the loving part or um or more towards that loving where you're you are afraid to offend so finding that that balance is it's so so important it's right? so important yeah and it then what is. i did actually just want to say as well in regards to our work whether it's our work um in the home our work in our careers or our work in the church when we serve god to make him known and to display his glory we can be confident that God will bless the work of our hands mm. and that our works will praise us. 
even if we don't hear it as often as we'd like or from the people from whom we'd like to hear it. Right. So I'd like to actually take a look at this verse from a ministry perspective. And one of the ways that we as believers find where we are gifted to serve in areas of ministry is through the affirmation of other believers. So this woman in Proverbs, she doesn't praise herself and she doesn't seek confirmation from others. It happens naturally. What counsel would you offer to women who are looking for areas to serve within the church? Right. Excellent question. Well, there's lots of opportunities. Oh, there <laughs> So I was actually recently chatting with someone about um, helping in the women's ministry. She has a few days a week available. And I suddenly realized I could easily keep her busy full time. (laughs) I'm like, I better like tone down my excitement here because (laughs) she's not available full time. (laughs) So there's lots of opportunities, right? Serving the Lord. I, well, one thing there's, there's always more you can do to love on people, to disciple people and, to be available for people. There's always more. But at the same time, um, we do have to n- know what our gifts are and realize that we we can't just serve specifically in the church, right? We, we do have other aspects of our lives that we need to maintain as well. But one of the things, if you're looking for an area to serve, it's it's good to be familiar with what you have been gifted in and what the gifts are for. So the Bible definitely teaches that all believers have been given a spiritual gift and these spiritual gifts are for the purpose of building up the church. And uh, just today, actually in our Bible study as we were recording, um, before we were recording here this morning, uh, we were talking about Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, which is one of the lists of spiritual gifts. There is a, uh, a few others, but specifically in Ephesians 4, we read, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with it, which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it's it builds itself up in love. And so we see that each one has been given different gifts. We don't all have the same gifts. The purpose of these gifts is to build up, and we, we build up until we all attain the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. And that word until stood out to me because that requires us to be long-suffering and steadfast, right? Just because you give counsel or teaching once on a specific topic doesn't mean that everybody's got it all together after that. They might still struggle. They might still fall back. They might still need clarification um, until... So we keep at it. We remain steadfast as we're using our gifts to minister to others. And we also learn from this passage that um, 
it's important for us to use the gift that God has given us and therefore don't lust after another person's gift, right? Sometimes we can look at the people who have the upfront gifts or the gifts that we think would be more admirable or more fruitful and desire them and maybe even get jealous of them. No, use the gift that you've been given because the reality is you are going to be most fruitful if you use the gift that you've been given. So why would you want to use the gift that someone else has been given, right? You're not going to be as fruitful. So let's stick with what has been given to us. Um, And then we also, um, when we're trying to determine our gifts, and that can be hard, especially for maybe women who tend to be uh, more self-doubters than they are confident. Um, we certainly want to start by prayer and ask him to, to show us what our gifts are. But then we can also look at how God has passioned, has passioned us. Like what has he given you? What passions has he given you? And, you know, where, where are your strengths? And just this... Um, just this morning, it was actually kind of funny. I don't think she'll mind us sharing the story. But we have a friend who was telling us how she knew she was in the wrong ministry. Very clearly one day, she had been asked to serve in the counting ministry. And when she was uh, getting her training on the very first day, uh, the very first thing they told her was that you cannot talk during this <laughs> time of counting. And she was horrified because she loves to talk. She could not imagine sitting in a room uh, in a cl- with closed doors with other people around a table and not saying anything. And so she told the leader, this is not ministry that I can do. It's not for me. And so she knew that about herself. And yet she's a very gifted teacher and uh, discipler, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So know Mm -hmm. your gifts. Know what you're good at and what you're not Mm -hmm. good at. Um, For myself, I believe I have the gift of exhortation. And exhortation is... Uh, the gift of urging people to grow in their faith. It includes encouragement and teaching, confronting and counseling. And although I don't naturally like confrontation, but I know that God has called me to this to do this, and and so that I know He He will equip me. As a as a younger Christian, when my gift wasn't as developed, I definitely leaned more towards encouragement and the softer approach, right? And then as I grew and developed, I became more balanced in all these areas. And um, not everybody necessarily liked that, right? Like they liked the Susie that would not be bold or speak too truthfully they liked the encouraging Susie Um, but I had to grow and develop and uh, I really feel like God has called me to the whole of what exhortation is and to be truly loving and encouraging I have to speak truth and I really do believe that this is what God has called me to and uh, it's not about me it's not about making me feel good um but at the same time, I do generally get affirmation from people, and they do tell me that uh, I am able to say the tough stuff in a loving way. Uh, certainly, I've had to learn the hard way. Sometimes I've been too blunt, and I've had to learn from that. And then there's other times when I haven't said enough, and I've had to learn from that too. Uh, all of that Um enhances your giftedness and so just because you've been given a gift doesn't mean you've been perfected in that gift from the beginning we we grow and develop even in our gifts um and and then when we serve god to make him known and to display his glory 
we can be confident that God will bless the work of our hands and that our works will praise us. And I know I said that, but I'm going to continue to repeat this little comment because I think it's something I want to get into your heads and into my heads as well. And then continuing, I want to say, even if we don't hear it as often as we like or from the people whom we'd like to hear it from. And it's interesting. It's it, it, it's probably not uncommon for us to have certain people in mind that we want to hear that affirmation from, right? Maybe it's your pastor. Maybe it's your ministry leader. Maybe it's from that woman that you admire. And maybe 10 other people have told you, thank you for what you do, but it's not good enough because you're looking for affirmation from that one person. And so I just want to encourage you that if you are serving God, to make him known and to display his glory, that is enough. And if you are desiring um, affirmation from one specific person, maybe you're actually guilty of idolatry and you are um, worshiping that person's opinion of you more than you are God's opinion of you. And so just do a little soul searching and uh, readjust that and realign your worship with God and be satisfied in the fruit that he gives you rather than being desperate for another person's affirmation. Hmm. Do you think there's a danger of pride in serving in a more visible ministry than in a behind the scenes one? Have you seen maybe bitterness creep in for those who do a more anonymous role at the church or a thankless role? Um, How can we actively ensure that these negative attitudes don't affect our hearts? Well, certainly. I think while we are human here on this earth, we always Mm -hmm. have to guard our hearts from and against pride, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, really, the person who becomes arrogant and, you know, thinks they're all that because they've got upfront ministry and everybody's telling them how good they are, that is pride. But so is the person who gets bitter because they're behind the scenes and they're not getting the recognition that they want. And that also is pride. And so we all have to be on guard for that. And be aware of how Satan might like to discourage us or cause us to stumble. And uh, it might look different for different people and different gifts are probably prone to different types of of uh, pride. But we're all prone to that. And so we all need to continue to remind ourselves that the gifts that we have been given are, are a gift. They have mm-hmm. been given to us by God. Mm-hmm. They're not something that we have developed ourselves. No, God has given it to us, and he is the one that is bearing the fruit. And so he gets all the glory. And then as long as we keep serving with that perspective, we are able to serve humbly. And then John 15, 4 to 5 is just another amazing reminder that says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we just need to continue to remember that our main priority is not uh, looking for affirmation, our encouragement. Our main 
goal in serving is to stay connected to the vine. And then once again, if we are connected to the vine, we can be confident that we will bear fruit and that our works will be praised, even if it's not as often as we like or from the people that we want it from. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately we're serving the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. And we're going to stand before him. And how did we serve him throughout our lives? So then I'll add, or as quickly as we like it, right? Because sometimes the fruit comes way later. Actually, someone was just telling me today about how um, a family member had prayed, I think it was for her husband. Was it her? Yes, it was her husband. And she had died before she actually saw her husband come to know Christ. But it was afterwards, after she passed away, that her husband accepted Christ because the church had loved on him and had gone to visit him every single week after her death. And he ended up coming to Christ. And so sometimes we don't even see the fruit in our lifetime, but we keep serving anyways. And she'll see it. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Hmm. Well, Susie, you also serve a very important role as an elder's wife. And I know you're a leader in the area of connecting women, and you meet regularly with our church's elders' wives, as well as other like-minded pastors' wives. And I think a more supportive role to a husband who's on staff or serving during a busy ministry season can feel lonely or isolating. What would you like to say to women who are experiencing the day-to-day reality of being married to a pastor or elder? Yes. Well, um, certainly I believe I struggled with this a lot more when my children were young. Mm -hmm. I did have some long and lonely days. And sometimes it's because of the long hours that are put in. I was just talking to one of our ministry leaders uh, today, and he said he had put in 75 hours last week. Mm. That's a long time. But praise the Lord, that's not every week. That was an unusual week. And and so I get it. There are some days, some weeks, some seasons that we have to free up our husband to be away a lot and to give a lot of love and discipleship and time towards other people. And with that, absolutely, there is that temptation for bitterness, resentment, self-pity, or just being demanding uh, of more time, not being sacrificial. And probably younger ministry wives have more of a temptation in that area, and partly because there's young children at home. You're concerned for your children, Mm -hmm. and rightly so. And, you know, you haven't really figured out that proper balance of of, – what your time should look like as a, as a ministry family. And, you know, maybe your husband doesn't either, and you're both trying to figure it out together, and you're making some mistakes along the way, right? And so we have to be very, very careful not to allow bitterness to take root. And I know for myself, um, I had to learn very slowly that it's not about me and that I am a helpmate to my husband. And that means I need to free him up to serve at key times. And for my husband's ministry, I very quickly learned that Sunday mornings, that was a key time for him and I need to step out of the way, right? Uh, And maybe it's it's Christmas or or seasons of change and growth, right? Like if your church is in the middle, middle of a building project or maybe there's you know an 
a surge of growth in your church or a marriage crisis or whatever it might be. Maybe your husband's going to be out a lot. Or if your husband's involved in various week weekly ministries throughout the week, there's seasons where they're out a lot. And uh, one thing I do know is God does not want your heart to grow bitter. And if your heart is bitter or if you're starting to feel self-pity, uh, you need to take heed and make the adjustments that are necessary and um, and guard yourself from that. Uh, actually, I also wanted to point out even on Mother's Day, mm. right? Because yeah. uh, it was actually an interesting thing as I've been able to think about it. The world has had so much influence on us and we feel mm. so entitled and so desperate for affirmation on Mother's Day. And as Christians, if we're serving in the church, we have to put that off and realize, you know what, even on Mother's Day, it's not all about me. And how can I rather love others? And how can I free my husband up to do what he needs to do to continue to do the work of the ministry, to continue to preach the gospel, uh, rather than just wanting the attention for myself? And I think our I think our church actually does pretty well. Just recently, Aaron and I were chatting at church on a Sunday, and someone walked up to us and said, "Wow, this is a rare occasion to see the two of you together." And I don't think she meant it in a critical way. I certainly didn't take it that way, but it was an observation, and it's true. At church, unless there's a personal crisis or a family crisis, Aaron and I live as brothers and sisters for the most part. Yeah, we'll sit together, you know, before the service yeah. or as we're worshiping. <laughs> but not even during the sermon. No, yeah. he, he's up on stage. You're and right. yeah. and you know what? We could resent that. Or I just kind of think of it like heaven, right? Like mm. in heaven, we're not going to be, I don't know, will we really be aware who our husband is? Are we going to need his undivided attention? I don't think so. And And so it's just one of those things that I think we can – we can actually embrace it. And actually, it's not just Aaron and I. There was actually just last week someone else mentioned, uh, not in regards specifically to Aaron and I, but she said, I've actually noticed that at this church, most married couples don't actually act like married couples when they're at church. And she says, like, in, in the churches I've been part of in the past, like, the couples all serve together, but it's not like that here. And once again, she didn't actually mean that in a negative way, but I think she was actually blessed by the fact that um, many married couples actually free their husbands or their wives up to serve the Lord in their area of giftedness and uh, to be able to free them up to build relationships and to love on other people. And strong marriages are actually confident enough to be able to let each other go and do that. Mm. Um, so we can either view that as mm. a negative or as a good thing and a little glimpse of heaven, right? I love that. I've never yeah. thought of it that way. That's, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is nice. Mm. But at the same time, I do want to consider the wife who who maybe has a husband who is super, super busy and busy in an unhealthy way. So the first thing I want to say is we do have to allow for some busy time, right? And to recognize, okay, if this is a season, it's a season and mm-hmm. I am not going to be selfish and whiny about it. But if it goes on and on and and on, 
then maybe it's time for you to talk to your husband and let him know that you need him and ask him to see if he can adjust his schedule. Right. And um, I don't have a, a specific time in mind, right? Or specific number of hours that your husband should or shouldn't be at the church or how many hours he should or shouldn't be at home. But you know what's healthy and what's not. And if it's getting to a point of unhealthiness and it's not, you're not seeing any end in sight, uh, it is important to talk to your husband. You do want to have open communication. Mm-hmm. And in in times of busyness, but also in regular times, it is so important if you are married that you set up regular date nights, nights that are reserved for just the two of you. And uh, and so, yeah, don't just save that for when your marriage is in crisis. S- set up regular times when you're spending time together, just the two of you, so that your marriage can maintain consistency and intimacy and That way you'll be strong enough for when those times of crises or busyness do come along. And I also just want to finish by saying, be a woman of prayer. Uh, You might be in a a season where you're at home a lot. Maybe it's because you yourself are busy, or maybe it's because you have young children at home and you can't get out as much as possible. You can always serve your husband and the church, really, by praying for him. And once again, I just want to finish by answering this question by saying, and when we serve God to make him known and to display his glory, we can be confident that God will bless the work of our hands and that our works will praise us, even if we don't hear it as often as we'd like or from the people whom we'd like to hear it. And for this particular question, I also want to add, and as a pastor's wife, Mm -hmm. even when your husband gets more praise than you do, as you see his role or as you see his role as more significant, what you are doing is still valuable and don't compare yourself to him. Mm-hmm. Do what you have been called to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you are serving and allowing him to serve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've, you've had some different roles in the church throughout the years, as well as different seasons with parenting and working outside the home before you even began working here at the church. How were you affirmed in your different roles in, in serving God? Right. Well, first of all, I had to know my identity in Christ before I could even feel affirmation because no amount of verbal affirmation is going to help me to feel affirmed if I don't feel that affirmation in Christ or if I don't really know who I am in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so my identity has to be in him. And then secondly, I do have a very high view of God's purposes and, um, so I, I do serve where I am called, and I trust God to bear fruit, not always because I feel affirmed in, in what I'm able to accomplish, but I just have a very high view of God. Mm-hmm. And and then I did get training, and that showed the leadership of my church where I was interested in serving, and then they asked me to serve in those areas. Uh, when I was young, my or when my kids were young, I served in the kids' ministry, and I loved it when I stopped. I really, really missed that ministry. I wouldn't say I miss it anymore because with all the legal stuff going on and there's so many protocols and so many mm. uh, T's to cross and I's to dot, I, I, it would just distract me. I mm-hmm. just, I love being with the kids. I wouldn't want to have to deal with all that yeah. other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started in prayer ministry 
probably because in uh, in some of those young years, I so desperately needed prayer in my own life. And so I had a huge passion for prayer. And I loved that ministry. In all honesty, sometimes I still miss that ministry because mm. it, it is a beautiful ministry. Um, then I started with women's ministry. And I think that's largely because I saw my own needs and I had a passion to help other other people. And so with that, then I would maybe be able to summarize that by saying education, life experience, and being asked um, all affirmed mm. my calling, right? Mm-hmm. And and then the odd occasion, I do hear affirmation. I shouldn't just say odd occasion. I do sometimes hear affirmation. Um, but as leaders, I, I'll just put it out there for all of you. If you are a leader, you largely have to learn to self-assess, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you aren't always going to get the specific words of affirmation that you might look for or want. Um, and so you assess by the fruitfulness of your ministry, by the 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 way things are run by the peace that you have in God by His strength that He gives you, and in the USS, and you mm. always have to be willing to adjust and learn and grow and develop and learn as well. Um, but yeah, largely self assessment yeah keeps you going. Yeah, it just makes me think sometimes when you're when I'm leading worship on a Sunday morning, um, it's it's almost when you when you don't get when you don't hear the distraction that that's a good service right when you don't hear the wrong note or you know maybe you don't get the complaint right about ministry it's it's uh when things you don't get the affirmation but you're also not being distracted or or um you know getting complaints about it i don't that's know true good point mm-hmm. yeah if you haven't had a complaint you're doing well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness uh, yeah and i think I think being asked to do a specific role, sometimes you're not even thinking of it, right? And when somebody asks you and sees that in you, that that is an affirmation. I think that's really good. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, Susie, but when we started the church plant and you and Aaron had approached me and a friend, and the friend, she had the nickname The Voice at our other church, and you asked us both if we would be part of the church plant to help lead worship. And she said no right away. And I was like, oh, oh no. Well, I don't know if I can, I can do this by myself or I don't want to leave my friends. And I had all of these doubts. I was, you know, in my early twenties and uh, a new Christian too, right? But uh, I think having you guys ask me, it, it made that decision and the Lord led me and yeah. I'm so glad. Absolutely. I'm I can't so imagine this church without you leading oh, worship. <laughs> wow. Thanks. Yeah, it's been it's been a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been good. So I okay, we're on the last verse of Proverbs thirty one. And we've examined so many aspects of Christian living, the role of women, the role of wives and mothers. What has God revealed to you in a new way through this? podcast through this study? Honestly, I I mostly just wish that I had been more aware of these things when I was younger, that I would have been more or felt more affirmed in my role at home. I love my ministry. Um, 
but my ministry begins in my home, and I often questioned the value of it. And it's not that I'm casting blame on any one person. My husband has always bragged about my cooking, but I just didn't see the full beauty of it all. I knew that I wanted to focus on the home, but I often questioned my value. And I am very thankful that I can now pass on this wisdom to others and to other women who work in the home and to remind them that that is enough. If you are doing it for the glory of God, it is enough. Mm. Do it with excellence and um, be creative. Enjoy it. That is what you have been called to if you are a wife and a mother. And, and then I also just want to say for any women who are not moms or wives, I also want to wholeheartedly affirm the fact that your work is valuable too. And it is just as valuable as the woman who works at home because she has children and she or she has a husband to take care of. Um, they have been called to other things, but your work as a, as a woman who is not married is just as important because our work is all done. It is all valuable because it is all done to make God known and to display his glory. And so I really, really desire to affirm women in whatever work that they are doing. If they are wives and moms, value your work at home and make it for God's glory. Make God known in your work. If you are, uh, if you do not have children, if you do not have a husband, make your work a place where God is known and display his glory. And when you do, you are all living for his glory and your work is equally valuable. It is just different. You're making him known in different ways, but be affirmed and do Mm. it for his glory. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like I always have a takeaway from from our time together. Uh, Maybe it helps that I write the questions. It's, it's maybe, you know, things that I'm wanting to learn about, but um, definitely I've learned um, to take dominion and having a more active role in the home with the family. I have a desire to be a better wife and to keep the priority of God first, then husband and then children. I know sometimes children and husband can get mm-hmm. can get uh, mixed up in life just in the day-to-day children can be more demanding right in the moment um and having that as my ministry too right mm-hmm. that my first my first line of ministry is within the family and i think a big takeaway is <laughs> there was one uh one episode where where you talked about using the word busy and you were in a season where you could easily say you were very busy, but not using that word. Um, yeah. So I, I am trying not to use that word to others when, you know, when talking about what's going on. So Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I feel like I do have a takeaway every week. So, and I I was just going to say, so remember that your home is also a place of rest. So build that into your time at home. So I can't believe that we're wrapping up this uh, in-depth look at Proverbs 31. And I'm so thankful that we have God's word as our guide. And our hope is that you, as as a listener, have grown in your desire to live a godly life according to the word of God. So we want to thank you for listening with us as we have gone through these verses. And we're looking forward to studying some of these topics more in-depth in the future. 
and we still have so much to discuss and learn together. So join us again as we rebuild biblical womanhood from the foundation up.